You're listening to the Scaling Culture Podcast, where we sit down with thought leaders who share their experiences building incredible workplace cultures. Our guest today is Yetta Tolliver, Global Head of Diversity, Inclusion, and Belonging at Xerox. In today's changing, connected world, it's important for Xerox to be committed to advancing diversity, inclusion, and belonging, or DIB, to enable innovation and growth. In her role, Yetta leads the DIB strategy and roadmap to help Xerox to drive change and build a more diverse community within the company and the communities they serve. Yetta is a servant leader at heart. In 2013, she established the Journey of Leadership Institute, and she also works as a business adjunct professor at a local community college. In this episode of Scaling Culture, Ron and Yetta discuss why and how Xerox created employee resource groups in the late 60s, what have been the outcomes of that initiative, and where can other companies start? Xerox's diversity, equity, inclusion commitments, and key initiatives, and why and how to listen to what's important to your employees. Before diving into today's episode, though, our team would like to share an observation. That number one challenge in hybrid and virtual workplaces is building relationships. We all think that people know by default how to build trust and how to sustain strong relationships, but unfortunately, that is not always the case. Be sure to check out a sample of our one-hour series on building relationships at scalingculture.org and don't forget to rate the podcast now on to the show welcome to another episode of the scaling culture podcast i'm your host ron lovett and today all the way from dallas texas we have yetta tolliver with us yetta welcome to the show thank you so much ron it's my pleasure to be with you today yeah we're excited uh to have you xerox is a big brand and so when it showed up i was like oh wow this is great we've not had anyone from xerox and especially holding the title of Global Head of Diversity, Inclusion, and Belonging at Xerox. This is the first time I've heard and belonging. Can you, what, what, what was, was it always like that? Or was that added later? Tell, tell me about the word belonging getting into um, diversity inclusion. Well, thank you so much for the question, Ron. Um, diversity and inclusion was been part of uh, Xerox landscape for some time. In fact, um, in 1990s, uh, Xerox was recognized for being a leader of diversity. Uh, as we move forward and as evolutions changed in the space uh, with diversity and inclusion, we did embrace inclusion. But as we looked in refocusing um, inside of diversity and inclusion and looking through the lens of diversity, inclusion, belonging, there was a great alignment with our culture uh, values. And as we talk about our company culture values, we wanted to ensure our employees' voice was heard. They had a place that they can lean in and uh, be a part of. And belonging was a better, was just a great fit for that. So we chose to focus on diversity, inclusion, and belonging. Uh, during 2020 with all of the uh, social uh, unrest that was going on globally uh, after the killing of George Floyd, we did uh, shift and changed our focus to include belonging. I love that. I, it, it's, it's funny. It, 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 when I read it, when I hear it, it's soft, it's softer. It just seems it lands better. The, the, it just, what a nice ending, right? Cause Diversity and inclusion just for some reason lands a little transactional with me. And then adding this word belonging, I think really adds this kind of compassion piece, you know, it's, uh, it's really nice. And so let's go down the path. How, you know, I mean, you mentioned in 1990, the company was recognized. What were they doing right? What were the, what were the behaviors that were getting that right way back, you know, and 
Well, it kind of like we have to take it further back uh, to what started in the late 1960s with our CEO who was in place, Joe Wilson, at the time. It was in the U.S. Uh, the way the cultural climate was, it was the Civil Rights um, Act was put into play, but it took uh, a lot of unfolding to put that into action, especially for corporate America. The Blacks working at Xerox at the time did see the need to ensure that they were being recognized for their talents, uh, being able to see promotions. So the groundwork started actually in the late uh, 60s. By 1970, Xerox was very progressive around affirmative action program. Uh, but yet once the black employees were hired, they saw serious problems, there was discrimination, they were being excluded. So they decided to form together and create um, the caucus groups, which today we're gonna um, talk a little bit more about, I hope, uh, employee resource groups is what they're called today or networks. Um, so by the 1970s, as these groups were being formed, there were more self-care groups and they were designed to help develop and train the minority employees in management positions. They also helped with doing a lot of policy changes. Because of that work, Ron, that started uh, in the 70s that built the, the platform to help Xerox to be lifted up, to be recognized for diversity. So by 1990, Xerox in corporate America was seen as the leader of diversity. That's how we got started. We continued to expand our, our focus, not just on minority employees, started looking at what we can do to help to elevate women and grow women, especially in our technology space at Xerox. And that's really what helped us to grow to be seen then in the 90s as a diversity, the leader of diversity. So that's how we got started. Wow. And so you've already done a bunch. What's you know, what's next in that journey? I know we are going to unpack SRG. Sounds like a big important part of that plan, but what's next? What's, you know, you've done so much. Is it like hold the line or no? We've got more work to do here. Oh, we have much more work to do. We are still continuing to move forward in our in our industry to ensure that we are being recognized with other tech companies uh, for the recognition of women in the uh, when we look at our um, balanced workforce opportunity globally to have more women in management and executive level positions. We're doing good, but we could definitely do better. So we have a five-year strategy plan to really get us to where we should be uh, in our industry, as well as when we look at our ethnicities within the U.S., we have an opportunity to really grow in that area as well to get more underrepresented talent. We've expanded our scope. There is just not ethnicities, Ron, when we talk about underrepresented talent. We're talking about um, veterans. We're talking about those with disabilities. We're talking about LBGTQ plus community. We're also looking to see what we can do in countries where our employees can self-identify in those various uh, social identities. For example, Canada. Um, if in Canada, our employees there are able to um, self-identify in their sexual orientation so we can see the population of our LBGTQ plus community and know who is available to move and, and monitor them into promoting them into those various management and upper management positions. 
even our applicants, we can track and monitor because they too can self-identify. And we can do the same type of self-identification to help us know how to move our talent, uh, as well as our applicants in the UK. So in countries where we're safe to do it, we're continuing to do that. So that's yep. one place we're growing. And we definitely are driving inclusivity, a safe place to talk about relevant issues and share experiences. This is so important as we move forward. And we just talked about that whole belonging piece. We right. need to continue to allow our employees a space to feel safe. And what, from your perspective, have you seen as the outcome of these initiatives and, and strategies? What are the outcomes? Is it, wow, you know, as we've got more diversity, there's more different thought. And so we're having better, stronger debate. And so therefore we're getting better results, more innovation. You know, what, what, what's happening? Oh, the, definitely. The, the research has shown, and we definitely have a lot of evidence around that we've seen what it can happen when it comes to the bottom line, as we talk about it, and the potential to, for revenue growth. We've seen uh, the diversity in thought, as you mentioned, to help push our better products and services out but to sorry, the marketplace. Just, but yeah, back to revenue growth, is it because customers, it's important to customers and that you're talking about this and that and that you guys are doubling down and and where, where do you get the revenue growth from there but absolutely our customers are interested in us we have this this term we say in the diversity equity inclusion and belonging space companies need to walk the talk yeah. after I'm, I'm gonna take us back a little bit ron after the killing of george floyd many companies globally all said they wanted to do better in this space where they could yeah. but a lot of of companies um did take on the the commitment to do something, stated the pledge, but now it's time to take action. Xerox is one of the companies that took action to say we needed to do some, we need to do more because we were already in diversity and inclusion, but what can we do more? So we have seen the ability to help us because we have a lot of our companies want to know what are we doing to represent our supplier diversity when it comes to our spending money? Are we spending money and with the under, underrepresented types of businesses that can help us in this space as a um, supplier? And also what are we doing um, as far as our products going to service? And also what are we doing with our employees? And our, how, do, how are your employees aligning with the various diversity uh, actions we have in place? So they want to come in and they're asking us, what is our representation of our board? What is our representation of our executive leaders? And we put this information in our corporate social responsibility report. And we are openly sharing what is, what are our balance workforce numbers look like globally, what do we represent our representation looks like in the US since we are a US company and we're sharing that information out and our customers are looking at us to see how we're doing in that space. So it helps us when we're doing it. And um, a lot of them are very interested. I have been a part of conversations with some of our customers in sharing out our story, sharing out what we've done with our employee resource groups and how they contribute in helping us um, in in our business in our day to day business uh, operations as well as what do they do to help us with our employee retention as well as our employee engagement. It's interesting, you know. One thing that really jumped out was that you guys 
I, I'd say take a holistic view at this because you also mentioned you think about this and um, you apply your strategies when it when it comes to to hiring suppliers. And I haven't heard anyone say that before. And I certainly haven't thought about it from that lens. I think that's mm-hmm. very, very wise and interesting that you guys are, it's not just about your internal, you know, you, you've talked about board roles, you've talked about external suppliers. I mean, you guys are really taking a holistic look at inclusive inclusivity, diversity, and, and belonging. Absolutely. Because one of the things um, we do, and we also include it in our corporate social responsibility report is our supplier diversity spend. And it is focusing in on, you know, how many of your supplier are women? How many are minorities? How many of them are veterans? So we do report out on, you know, how we're engaging them and how we are going out and getting their support. Some of the work we do with our, our um, in the government space, they do have that requirement. So some of them, even to contract in our government space, they're looking for us to partner with suppliers that are a part of of that population. So it's important we can, you know, probably look and say we can do better, we can do more. uh, But that is something that we continue to ensure that we're aligning to and we're bringing that type of contribution on. Because when we talk about diversity, you're right, it's diversity among what we're doing in our employee space, what we're doing to support our products and services with that diversity of thought, because um, this is a reflection of the community or the markets in which we serve. We even consider when we go out in our communities to do our volunteer work, you know, having that reflection of what diversity looks like, as well as when we talk about where we're doing our spend with supplier spending. Wow. It is very holistic, Ron. It is a very holistic approach. I'm curious, yeah, look, it sounds quite intentional, robust, I mean, holistic, absolutely. So when it comes to suppliers, is it, because, you know, when you talk to companies, a lot of companies out there that are really trying to drive diversity inclusion, they're, the, the strategy starts on the, the ask, I, I'm looking for employees. And so I cast a very wide net. I'm intentional about putting my ad in, in certain places. Is it the same strategy for suppliers? And so it's, it's like, look, we need to really work hard to find more diverse suppliers uh, is that kind of the starting point? It is. And we actually have, uh, I, there was my prior role before I started leading global diversity, inclusion, and belonging. I was working uh, in compliance as um, the contract compliance director in the government healthcare and education space. And one of my peers, that was actually his role, intentionally seeking out these types of partnerships that we can go after. Because for Xerox being a federal uh, contractor, it was important to ensure we had a healthy pipeline of this type of business relationships. So that was a part of his constant role was ensuring that we had uh, suppliers, very diverse, if I can use that term again, set of suppliers to do business with. So depending on what was the need that we were going, that wasn't a part of that agreement with that customer, we wanted to ensure that we had a partner um, that would reflect that need and we can be able to bring them on board. So it's it's definitely a very aggressive approach in how we do it and ensuring because we want to make um, certain that we can meet that need. And in some cases, you must have to make a tough choice. So I'm just envisioning you go to market, you're trying to find a certain supplier, but they just aren't meeting the requirements based on, I don't know, safety, or they, they're not there from a business perspective. And so, you, you know, I assume, does, and maybe I'm wrong, does the business decision and, you know, win over that or are they equal, you know? 
It all depends on what, what we're going after. And the well, first of all, we're going to ensure that we got the right partner because right. again, our brand and reputation is on the line. So we That's have right. fully vetted to ensure that that partner is going to meet the need and be able to support us. So uh, there is a, a very um, solid vetting process as we bring them on board. Um, right. So, so you've, you've done the upfront homework. Let's 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 vet. Make sure you're if you're at the table. Now let's get some pricing. Let's talk about this. Absolutely. Let's check these that's boxes how it, first. Right. That's exactly how it works. So we know that they can deliver. They have been proven. We know that they're a good partner to have. So it's just a matter of then let's negotiate and move forward from there and understanding you know what their role would be and how they would support. Um, those requirements that are set forth in the in the agreement with the customer. Wow. Yeah, great. And let's let's flip to ERGs. That's a big part of this. Can you explain to the listeners what is ERGs? Where did it start with you guys, and where is it today? Oh, absolutely. Um, so again, just a little bit of a uh, walk down memory lane. Employee yeah. resource groups, going back to the conversation I was saying earlier, started for Xerox uh, in the late 60s and actually standing up the very first caucus groups um, in, by 1971. And um, the, the whole purpose of the, the uh, caucus groups then was, again, to ensure that they were able to develop and train minority employees for management positions. They were definitely a self-care group um, and cutting edge. Put they, So they, they were looking at internal, so internal, internal uh, minorities, right. et cetera. And let's get you ready, set, set for management. So what did that look like? You know, it's like, back, so you, well, well, back in, 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 and again, let's set the stage back in yeah. the 1970s, um, coming after the, <clears throat> Uh, affirmative action uh, programs were in place, right? We we had the um, passed it. It was passed that we needed to now look at how to take that program and activate it inside of companies. But what was actually going on that the blacks working at Xerox at the time did not see any up mobility happening. So they wanted to ensure that they developed and trained the employees that were ready to move into those next level positions, as well as start creating a healthy pipeline to start bringing in other black talents into Xerox. Another thing that they wanted to ensure to do is that there was going to be perpetuity, that their changes that they were going to put in place were going to be there for sustainability. Right. So they also influenced that policy changes to make sure that that happened. So what they did, they uh, were working regionally across the United States, establishing these independent support groups, training, uh, promoting, and pushing to senior leaders, here are the, here are the in Black employees you need to promote upward. So it was very effective, but what they were doing was more regionally aligned. What they realized, if they came together to one single voice, they could be more powerful. So seven independent support groups became one because they were all regionally dispersed, became right. one forming the National Black Employees Association. Um, and that was the, and Harvard Business Review has written a paper that identifies them being the first caucus groups, which today, as we talk about employee resource groups, is that organization is still thriving and alive at Xerox today. In fact, this is Black History Month in the U.S., and they are facilitating along with another um, group that um, employee resource group Xerox has that's very unique, the Black Women's Leadership Council. So they're bringing out all programming information to all of our Xerox, uh, Xerox employees globally that are that to participate 
uh, in celebrating Black History Month. And I'm wearing green today because we're uh, celebrating each Friday one of the colors, black, red, yellow, green, um, a part of uh, Black history. Those are the colors that resonate for Black history. So this is a part of what the employee groups, the employee resource groups started. In the 80s, we started forming even more, the Women's Alliance, focusing on women. We also formed the um, our Galaxy Group, focused on our LBGTQ plus community, Hispanics Association for Professional Advancement for our Hispanic Latinx community, Asians coming together for all Asians in our um, company, and we had the Xerox Leadership Association for all leaders that are aspiring to get to the next level. So we started with that group in the 80s and continue to form more uh, coming into the, the late 80s and 90s, our young professionals, next generation, because those are those um, our employees that are uh, ages up to 35. Mm -hmm. And then most recently, just before the pandemic, we stood up our veterans um, services members association. So we have a nine active continuing to grow with more. This year, we're looking to create a new group that's focused on differently abled, our physical and hidden um, disabilities um, that are, we want to make sure we have a safe place for them as well to recognize. So we're continuing to grow our employee resource groups. Oh, we yeah. have found them to be very effective for over you know five decades now, as you can see, oh, to yeah. really help push development oh, and growth sure in our company. I'm curious yet um a few things. Is, is this a function of HR? Are they is are these paid new roles or is this done by committee? And so people just join these kind of committees or how does it work? Oh, great question, Ron. The way they are, they are uh, independent um, organizations that are sanctioned by Xerox. So some of our employee resource groups are incorporated. Some of them have their own foundation. So they oh, they're not they're not internal in some cases. Not internal. In some cases, okay. they're not internal. But ah. as Xerox supports them, and my role sits in. HR, so they become supported by HR. We are tightly aligned um, in ensuring their what their programmings have in place. Um, that we do provide them guidance and oversight in their programs, um, but they can't. They they do carry the disclaimer in their communications that they are they are independently sanctioned organizations. Again, you're talking about 50 years of history and how they formed and stood up. Very different for some companies that are standing up their employee resource groups or networks. Everyone is not function does not function the same way. Right. So that's right. that's the way that hours are function at Xerox. So, um, but there is a governance. Um, they get the opportunity quarterly um, to report out to our CEO because each of our employee resource groups have an executive sponsor, someone that uh, reports into the CEO. But every quarter, they meet with him along with our CHRO and myself um, to come and present out um, their prior quarter, what have been their successes and progress that they've made, what they're looking for for the upcoming quarter, 
and they identify anything that they need help with as well. But what's important is they talk about any business strategies that they may be involved with. Some of them are creating um, some ideas or concept that they'd like to bring forward to the executive uh, committee. They're also helping us in, um, to recruit for talent acquisitions. When we have job postings, they're putting them out through their network to help to promote uh, internal talent in sharing out the, the job openings, as well as externally in their communities, in their networks, if there's opportunity to bring in talent. So they definitely help in the talent wow. acquisition space oh, yeah. and talent development space. So some of their programming is around mentoring, um, upskilling, reskilling. So they do provide programmings that help, as well as they have a community tie. Each of our ERGs are aligned with a nonprofit so they can go out and serve in the community. And that helps with our philanthropic arm. So they go in and they and I work with my peer that leads our corporate philanthropy um, function. And we ensure that if it's a matter of donating, they can use matching to help in that programming. Or if it's going out to do here in the US like Habitat for Humanities, or if there's a, a Christmas uh, toy drive here in the U.S., they help with that. And um, in countries, other countries, such as um, um, in Italy, there was a um, marathon, swimming marathon event that we gave to for time as well as for um, financial donations. So the ERGs pulled together to ensure that they participated in, that mar in the swimming marathon event. So we do... Things as um, our ERGs lead um, in various different community efforts as so, well. So yeah, they, look, they do a lot. It <laughs> sounds like a lot. That was and a lot. They're to all volunteers, right? That right? was a lot to digest. That's a lot. So I want to go back to. I want you to put your advisory cap on for a second. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. if you're on my board, and you're going to advise me on where do I start? Because diversity inclusion is really broad, right? I mean, you had from George Floyd, boom, that became a hot topic, and. Now you have different Asian issues in, in, in different parts of the, the world. Boom, hot topic. And so if someone needs a start, they don't have anything in place. Where is this? What do you suggest? Where is a starting point? Listen to what is important for your employees. Um, and that's the place to start. If we go back to what happened in the 60s, as I said, when we started Black caucus groups in the U.S. and in, inside of Xerox. The voice of the employees said, Black employees, I'm not being promoted. I'm not being recognized for my skills and talent. I need to make sure that that's happening, not just for myself, because I said it was, a, it was a collection of individuals that came together. That was the need. Right. They so came together. To, right. And so that's the same thing. And as we look at now, um, talking about standing up a differently abled group. The voice of the employees saying, this is important. We have employees here. Some have physical disabilities. Some have hidden disabilities. We need to come together and form this self-care group to help them. Uh, going back to what I said, our culture values are making sure that they have a place that they, they belong, giving them that community, a safe place to talk and share. And well, that's you where you start. Right. And, and I love that. But what's next step? So you get there and let's rewind the clock. And, and you had, you know, some 
uh, some of the black employees that said, we don't feel we, that we're at the table. We're losing opportunity. We don't feel comfortable. What, what should a company do then? What does the next step? Because let's assume they don't have, uh, there's no external um, ERG group. It's a, how should a company tackle that? Absolutely. And I, I'm going to, to share out um, one resource that I use, and her name is Amy Broadhurst, if I have it correct. She created this book called The ERG Handbook. Okay. And, the, and what she has in that book really helps to identify what you need to do. And it's about a business plan, right? You identify the need, as I shared. The employees have identified, they've come to the table. They say that there's a need. But you really need to put a formal plan around it, just like you would do a business plan. You, you identify what is the why behind it? Why do you need it? What's the vision statement? What's the mission statement? How are you going to support it? What are the resources you need to support it? Come in with a good list of the supporters, she, and she did a great job in this book, laying out who needs to be a part of almost saying, yes, I stand up, I'm gonna help you because you're gonna need those resources right. to help you stand up and build a program. Once you get everything ready, you do need to present it to your senior leadership so they can get the buy-in and be able to say, yes, we'll be there, we'll support you, what's going to be the resources you need and people resources, as well as in financial resources. You're making sure you have longevity. You want to create it to where it's going to have sustainability. It doesn't need to be something that is great today, but it's not going to be something that'll be um, needed tomorrow. So you want to make sure you lay all that out. And then once that happens, getting it chartered and supported by your executive leaders is definitely the piece that will uh, ensure that you have sustainability right. with that yes. resource group. So it, it is, it models developing a business plan. And in the ERG handbook, that's a great tool for anyone that's trying to figure out how to get started. Count, being able to take a calendar and identify what are gonna be your key programming events. You know, how are you gonna to meet to ensure that you're planning for those activities? So she put together even how you would set up your, your um, employee resource group, uh, your leadership team, who's going to take on what roles, because that'll be a, that'll be so important for you as well. So that would be the way I would encourage anyone who's trying to figure out how to get started in employee resource groups. And Ron, I will say it depends on the company. Some companies could be so small in size and they don't um, have the resources to do the individual employee resource groups as I laid out what Xerox right. has already yep. in place. They may just have a smaller group. Some are coming together and they're bringing all different uh, ethnicities together into one group, calling them multicultural groups. Some of them say, let's call inclusive groups because these are the ones that are the underrepresented needs and let's just put everybody together in one group and put together our programming that will highlight the key areas for each of these groups, such as for Black history, um, such as for uh, Lunar Year, for Asians, and, and um, uh, for uh, Hispanic Heritage Month, for our uh, Hispanic and Latinx. So they would pull their resources together in this inclusive group um, to be able to carry those um, programmings forward. So it all depends um, right. based on what you, it works best for your employees with their needs and the resources you have within your company. Because again, right. if it's a volunteer role, 
you do not want them to hit burnout. So that's so important. So you right. want to make sure that you have it organized to where there's not a, a lot of heavy lifting by those that are um, taking care of that programming. Interesting. And as, as you look ahead uh, yet and you think about, you know, because again, lot to digest. You guys have a very robust program when it comes to all these things. And I think that's excellent. Um, but if you think of, you know, because you said, look, there's still work to do. I guess culturally, when you think of where the company has been and where it's headed, especially post-pandemic, what are the things you're going to double down on in your culture at Xerox? And what are the things that maybe you're going to leave behind because you, you're going to up, update your values or, or update your culture? What, 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 what are you, where are you going to double down? And what are some things that maybe it is time to change from a Xerox perspective? Well, I can tell you where we're doubling down and a, a lot of other companies and any of my peers that may be listening in, in this um, uh, diversity uh, and inclusion space is retention. Um, the employee resource groups uh, in their last quarterly review, uh, the presidents all commonly came together when they went out and asked what's on the minds of their constituents and their individual groups came back and said it's retention. We want to ensure um, the companies, uh, well, we can help the company to retain talent so and where they on, can help. I'm sorry. I'm just going to say on that note. How has, you know, has that been an impact? And, and I know there's so many factors to this from compensation mm -hmm. to, uh, mm -hmm. you know, mo different uh, motivational kind of levers that can be pulled in an organization, but has Xerox hit that great resignation? Have you seen a lot of turnover or have these strategies said, no, everyone's holding tight. They're really happy. Like, what, what does it look like? Uh, Xerox from where I sit, much like any company, other company right now is not immune uh, to this great resignation. Right. Um, it is impacting everyone. The, for the first time, and I've, I've been in the employment space now uh, for 35 years. I've been working for Xerox for 35 years. Right. Uh, so I have not seen the turnover be the way it is today because for the first time, employees are in a position, whether they're active or passive job seeker, to go and get another job. There's just so many opportunities out there. So... Uh, the retention, uh, as we look at the resignation, that's what's, what's one of the things that's impacting the retention. And people are just deciding coming out of pandemic, they may want to just do something differently. Right. You know, yeah. They, yeah, they're not funny. in the same space they were before, Ron. So people are leaving. It, it may not even be just to do another job. It right. may be just to do something totally different. But, but I, I think it's something to dig into for everybody because, okay, some people are ready to retire. That doesn't count. You don't really, I, I don't think that that impacts your diversity, culture, any of that stuff. That's someone's choice. Someone's decided to go look after a loved one and move somewhere else and they had to be in head offs. Fine. No problem. Someone's had this aha moment. I, you know, I don't want to work here anymore. I want to do sales at Xerox. I actually wanted to be an accountant. And so I'm gone. And, you know, so fine. I, I park all those, but there is this large group of just not happy. I'm just not happy here at this place. And so I'm assuming that, you know, and, and again, happy is so broad. Why are you not happy? You don't like the, 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 the lunch program or is it a, we have a diversity inclusion problem. Like people could be unhappy for different reasons. And I'm wondering if you're seeing, you know, the impacts with that segment of the group, are they staying because they're happy and, and it's too risky. If I'm, you know, in one of uh, these minority groups or whatever it is that, that, I understand that that Xerox has worked so hard to make me feel included and make me feel safe. Don't aren't I, aren't I going to think twice about leaving to go to 
I don't know, Sharp or whatever the competitor is to say, you know, it's not, it's not going to be the same over there. Is Does that give companies a competitive advantage or are employees taking it for granted and just kind of going to somewhere else? And I know it's broad. Well, I will share this uh, as I'm, as it brings a smile to, to, to my face as I think about it. Um, we have this event called All of Us Together when we bring all of our employees together and um, the ERGs help plan it for me. And it's a global event. And because global, we normally have to do two segments of it. There's such excitement when they come together, those that participate in that event represent employee resource groups. They share out, they love that they work at Xerox and they love sharing and, and talking about working at Xerox. Telling stories. We have, a, we have a program in place to support our talent acquisition process where members of the ERGs get an opportunity to talk with applicants as they're going through the process to share out their career experiences at Xerox and what the culture is like as they're just going through right. the applying for the job. Uh, I had an opportunity to just talk with a few of them that are participating in that program for over a year. And the, the number one common thing they all said, they love talking about working at Xerox. They love it. They love sharing that out. Right. Also, I just was on a call earlier this week with our Europe, Middle East, Africa group, EMEA group. And some of the comments that were being shared was that people were saying yes to our job offers because they love the people at Xerox. Right. So you, so, so it is, it, that is an impact. It is an outcome. And I think that's important, uh, you know, that because the, the big business question objective is what's all this for? What do we, what is the biz? What, where does the business win? Because the business is its own identity, you know, Xerox is its own thing and mm -hmm. it's people that work for it. And so it sounds like it's really winning. It is really winning and just excited about that because when we talk about the evolution of employee resource groups uh, from where they started as caucus groups, also some or companies call them affinity groups, and they become this sense of family, this sense of community. Um, so that's kind of what excites me about it. And that becomes a part of the staying power. Um, for employees. And that's one of the reasons why the um, employee resource groups presidents, they were concerned about the retention uh, right. and they were concerned about employee engagement because what they want to do is keep people together. Right. So the other side of the question, you know, what as you as Xerox, as an organization reflects, what is something, so we understand we were doubled down on is there any shifts or not? Is We're just doubling down and, and, and keeping forward or no, there's this part of us we're going to leave behind now based on where the world is today. Well, there. when I think about, because uh, I'm just really focusing on where we could double down on and what we can do. Um, and as far as any of the shifts, some of the things that we're talking about, not necessarily, it is a little bit of insight of where, what's going on inside of Xerox, but also when I think about my other practitioners in this space is uh, spending more time on the data, looking at the data, sharing out the data. I mentioned earlier, we do carry some data in this space for uh, on our corporate social responsibility report. Uh, but what are we sharing out? Because as great as our um, what we're doing in our employee resource group space, as great as what we're doing in diversity, inclusion, and belonging space, that's one of the things, as you mentioned earlier, our customers are interested in. 
how well are you doing? Can you show us? So, so that's probably the other area right now um, that we Data don't collection. focus in on much right. Uh, right. that we do. Um, and and that, that there's kind of a need there as what is the date? How do you, you share out what you're doing here in this space? That's interesting. You know, anything else that we haven't covered off that's in this space that is kind of keeping you up at night or that you're excited about that we haven't talked about today? Oh, yeah, what keeps me up at night is really how can you do more? Um, because in this space, it's not about, it's not a fluff. Um, it's action. And what do you, what are the more actions we need to take? What is it that we need to do to ensure now I'm focusing for this year on inclusivity and ensuring that we have a, an inclusive culture. So what is the inclusiveness about? So really trying to focus and pushing that forward. We've gotten the diversity down. We spent last year really working on educating our workforce around diversity, uh, going, making sure, because some people do not feel comfortable when you say the word diversity. So we want to make sure they were comfortable with being uncomfortable. So we, we kind of put some learning out there around unconscious bias, how to, re, how to start reducing biases, doing certain training programs around that. So now I want to shift to really focusing on being an inclusive culture. But what does that look like? What, you know, what are the actions we can put in place? And, I, and, and that is a part of what's keeping me up at night, right. Ron, because we're at the beginning of the year and do want to set the stage right to move that forward, to create the, that environment. And that, that's a big project because those actions are like, wow. I mean, Xerox is not just a small company with five people. This is a global brand. And so the actions, that, that's got to be like, okay, I've got to really take my time and have a lot of collaborative effort around those actions, correct? Absolutely. And that's exactly where I am now is, is really understanding. You have globally. a big whiteboard around you. <laughs> yes, you a exactly. Whiteboard. A huge whiteboard, uh, jotting these things down. Because one of the other things to be mindful of, Ron, I, you know, Xerox is a global company. We're in 60 countries. And how I navigate through that is different from one country to the next. Absolutely. So I can't take a cooker cutter process if I can use uh, that 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 phrase, um, I I can't do that. I have to understand right. what does it mean to be an inclusive culture in that particular country, right? But that's what interesting because that that, that keeps you close to the problems, right? I mean, you have yes. to figure that out. You can't, you know, we do this all the time in business. So, you know, we, we I catch ourselves at my uh, in my company Vita all the time doing this is. We collaborate and we think we're solving the problem. And then we say, well, let's go talk to the customer. Let's go talk to the stakeholders. Why, why, we're not the stakeholder. We're not the customer. What are we even talking about here? You know, mm-hmm. um, it must happen sometimes in diverse inclusion. You can, you, because everyone has their own bias, their own thoughts of what they see versus going to the source and finding exactly what's going on in this area, in this region, because there's no global solution. This is a very complex thing, right? It, it, it is very complex. But one of the things that it, it, you know, it's like, it is possible, right? I, I'm huge uh, Olympics fan. I, I love watching summer and winter Olympics. So now here we have the winter Olympics going. And one of my favorite pieces of the Olympics is when you have the parade of the nations come in. 
and everybody comes together. And even though there's some some political concerns with um, the Olympics for the Winter Olympics, but I do love when everybody comes right. together. Even though they're still competing, right? Everybody's That's right. competing for those medals. But there's no but dirty I looks. Love- a lot of smiles at that, right? No one's. Yes, like, that oh, I tell you, even if it's one delegate that yeah. is that that one delegate is smiling coming through yeah. right or if you have hundreds of delegates yeah. that to me is was resonating when you said they're mm. all coming together they're all under that one roof so that i know it's it's possible but what i love about it when they're coming in their flag represents who they are right. their individualism but yet they're still together so they haven't lost their identity and and that's one of the things i strive for well, great. Well, look, Yetta, thank you so much. This was great. And I've had some aha moments uh, myself and thinking about your strategy. I think, you know, we've got some work to do as well, um, especially when it comes to the supplier side. I just hadn't, that was not been on my radar. So thank you for that. Um, and thanks for the work that you do. I think it sounds like you're making a wonderful impact in Xerox and Xerox is making a wonderful impact uh, on people. So thank you. And thanks for your time today. Thank you so much, Ryan. It has definitely been a pleasure. Hope you enjoy this episode. Be sure to rate the podcast. For more information on Yetta, please follow her on LinkedIn. To check out a sample of our one-hour series on building relationships, go to scalingculture.org. And if you're enjoying the Scaling Culture podcast, please share with others. We'll be back soon with another incredible guest.